Time for Talk of the Town with Lisa Kay. Back in the Talk of the Town studios, my name is Lisa Kay, and on the phone today, our friends at Mankato Clinic always sending us really interesting folks to talk to and get to know and do a little deep dive, get some more information from some of the area physicians. We've got Dr. Andrew Lindquist on the phone with us, podiatrist from Mankato Clinic. Uh, you go by Drew. What you, would you like me to call you, Dr. Lindquist? You can call me Drew. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah, well. very good to talk to you, Lisa. Yeah, Thank you. thanks for being here. Um, podiatrist, I was told I'm going to talk about feet today, which I always like to get to know people. How does one, I mean, I know you went through medical school and everything, but how does one decide to focus on podiatry? Yeah, good question. It's, it was really just something that I really found through looking into the, the medical options after I was done with college. I I grew up as the son of a a physical therapist. So I saw my dad's practice. I got to go to nursing home with him, got to go into his office and see what he did. I got to see a little bit of a snapshot of medicine. And then I went through college. I went to Bethel University and I knew that I wanted to be a doctor of some sort. And I didn't know what that looked like. So I went through school. I took a job at a lab. So I, I did pipetting and I stared at computers and did a lot of things where I didn't interact with a lot of people and I knew that that was good motivation for me to figure out what I wanted to do in medicine. So I, I shadowed a podiatrist and I found out that that we get to do a lot of surgery, we get to do a lot of interventions, we get to help people get better. We're not doing a lot of medication adjustments or things like that, but it's really if someone has a problem, we get to really go down and fix it, get them better and get them back out to doing what they want to do. So that's kind of my path to, to where I am here. How long have you been with Mankato Clinic? 15 years, a little over. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So have you seen, I guess when, when somebody says podiatrist to me, I'm thinking that you're always dealing with adults or older people that have problems with feet. Um, do you really have a whole range of ages that you focus on? I do. I see young kids. I see older people and the whole gamut. My practice is is mostly really kind of surgical. Um, we try to avoid surgery. We try to do things to, to get people better without that. But a lot of my practice now, is, as I've been practicing for a while, is really surgical intervention to try to intervene on whether it's a bunion, hammer toe, broken ankle, that kind of thing to get people better. Do you see something that's more common than other conditions? I get that question often, and the the thing that I see probably the most is a is a bunion, hammer toe, or a person with a flat foot. Those are kind of the things that I see most frequently. Okay, and and so there are, I suppose, different reasons that somebody would have that. Like if we focus on if we take bunions uh, today, because I do have some questions about that. Um, I've got some thoughts about, are they formed? I mean, I think we've all heard things like, hey, your shoes are too tight. You're wearing high heels. No wonder. It's genetic, all of that. Uh, what, what can you tell us about something like a bunion? Well, um, I'll, I'll shoot you a question, and then I'll talk a little bit. But just think a little bit about what you think of when you think of a bunion. And I'll kind of talk a little bit here. But, you know, bunions are, are something that people can have from birth to really older age. We see most people with bunions in kind of their 40s and 50s and 60s because they generally do kind of slowly, slowly grow. 
but we also see you know kids that are in their teens that are really struggling with with that kind of a problem so i always like to ask people like what do you think of when when i say the word bunion because there's a lot of misconceptions out there so i think of the uh, the bump on the side of your foot like on the side mm-hmm. of where your big toe is right is is that where it is that is the that's the most common there's also a bunion on the outside of your foot called a taylor's bunion there's also a kind of the cousin of a bunion, which is a stiff big toe, where that bone doesn't go out to the side, but it goes up and then causes arthritis and jamming in that joint. So I there's know. There's kind of a variety of them. So is this, and I'm a mom of hockey players and the wife of a hockey player, but I've heard of the Bauer bump. Is that like a different type of bunion on the other side? Is that what they, have you heard that before? <laughs> I have. No, I have I have three hockey players myself. Okay. I'm in hockey rinks almost every night. Um, but the Bauer, the Bauer bump is generally either on the heel or on the arch. Oh, and those okay. are just prominent bones that generally with hockey players, we try to pat them or punch out their skates and keep them going. Um, every once in a while, we have to do a surgery to shave down that bump because it just really doesn't allow them to do what they want to do. And I try to avoid that at all costs. I've, I have one varsity hockey player that I had to do that on this last year, but really everyone else we try to get better without without surgery right so and and then that brings you know the the younger kids into mind i remember when i think i was probably i had a good friend when i was growing up and i think she was sixth or seventh grade and she ended up having a bunion surgery and she was i remember uh looking at the scar and watching her on crutches for a while and hearing about the long recovery and things like that but she had always told me oh yeah my mom had them so i have this is are they hereditary they do, they do kind of run in families, and I always ask, you know, if someone has a bunion as a younger person, I say, which, which parent did you get this from, or which, you know, grandpa or grandma, because sometimes it skips a generation, and usually people say that it, it is in the family. It's, it's really the way that the, the bones and joints are aligned and the way the muscles pull, so, and that gets passed down, of course, from family member to family member. Sure. I suppose if you have, you know, inherited grandma's feet, <laughs> then eventually your feet might look like grandma's. It's true. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's always someone there's always someone to blame and usually it's a parent. <laughs> Are they always painful though? I mean, um I, I often wonder if I have them or not, but I don't have any pain in my feet. Right. So bunions can be painful or non painful and you know, I, I say that bunions are a cosmetic thing sometimes we treat them only when they have pain so i have plenty of people who are who have bunions that are quite severe if you were to look at them um but they don't have any pain and we work on shoe gear changes or activity modifications to make sure that they stay that way but yeah bunions are are sometimes painful uh sometimes not and so if they're if they're not painful um you said there's modifications that you can do. Is there anything that we can do to prevent them? Maybe we know that our mom or dad or you know relative have have had them. Is there anything we can do to make that easier? Should we wearing be wearing other kinds of shoes or? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, there isn't really anything you can do to prevent them because we think that you know as you grow as as your foot um, goes through its growth period, do they the way that your muscles pull, the way your joints are aligned, the way that everything is, is going on, you're probably going to get them. How severe and how painful really is up, up to the choices we make sometimes. Um, so if people wear really pointed shoes as they're growing, your bones, there's something called Wolf's Law where a bone will grow 
based on the forces put on it. So if you have your feet crammed into really small shoes that are really pointed, yeah, it's going to push that big toe over and make you more susceptible to having a, a painful bunion. But if you wear shoes that are wider and aren't causing pain or aren't pinching, you know, usually you can you can set yourself up for as much success as you can in the future. You know, some people just have severe bunions from from their parents from hereditary factors and, and they're going to have problems. But there are a few things you can do to, to try to stave that off, of course. How about reversing them? Are they are they reversible with different I've seen different procedures or I should say like devices that you can put on your feet or wear inside your shoes. Are those helpful at all? We don't have any data that shows that they're helpful. They certainly sell quite a bit, and you see them online. If you look up bunion, you'll see these bunion splints, which look like they're correcting things. And they can correct things for a while, um, but once you take them off and once your body takes over, you know, you're not going to be able to pop that back into joint long term. You know, the structures are already in in a position and and that doesn't work very well. The best way to do that, to, to make sure that we don't, you know, set ourselves up for problems is to wear shoes that aren't tight within the toes. Sometimes we'll use orthotics if people have a flat foot. So an orthotics is an insert that goes in the shoe that helps to hold the arch into the right position. Sometimes we'll use that for people who have bunions and flat feet because we know that that can help to support things, but we're not really trying to... Uh, turn back the clock or to turn, you know, put a bunion back into place. We, we don't see that being successful, unfortunately. Our guest today on Talk of the Town, Dr. Drew Lundquist. He's a podiatrist from Mankato Clinic. So we're talking all about feet and being able to walk comfortably um, and and do the things that we like to do. If you are noticing in your life that you are having pain, um, is that the time where people would seek you out the most, or do people do you see people for cosmetic reasons? You mentioned that bunions are kind of cosmetic too. They are cosmetic because people sometimes don't like how they look, and when people come in for cosmetic reasons, we have a long discussion of, "Hey, listen, you have a bunion. We'll get we'll do a physical exam, we'll get an X-ray, and kind of see where people are at. But if they really have no pain, we don't do surgery. Um, if they have pain, that's Coming from the bunion, sometimes the bunion can be really hypermobile or can put more stress on the second toe. So if a bunion is causing pain, we will then fix that so that we fix the, the problem in the foot. Um, but if a bunion is not painful, uh, we, we don't do surgery because surgery has its own risks. You know, any, any surgery has risks. You could have a very straight toe, a very good-looking foot, but, but pain, and we really don't want that for people. Right, so right. that's usually a long discussion with people. If we have a bunion on one foot, will we have one on the other? Will they develop on both feet, or does, is it, does it matter? They can. They can develop on both feet. Uh, just because you have one on one foot doesn't mean that you're going to have it on, on the other foot. Okay. All right. And then how do you decide who needs surgery? I mean, I'm sure the pain is a factor there if it's taking away from your, you know, active lifestyle, things you like to do. Oh, yeah. With any, yeah. So bunion is elective surgery, meaning that you don't have to have it, but you can choose to have it to alleviate your pain. So I I tell people it's kind of like a, you know, if you think of a knee replacement surgery, you know, people choose to have that. Same thing with bunions. Okay. So, you know, we go through a, a, a pretty 
good process with people. You know, if you have a bunion that's painful, we do some things that are non-surgical, you know, activity modifications, check their shoes, make sure there's nothing that's going on that we can, that we need to change there. So we'll, we'll usually talk people through that and then talk about the different options for, for surgery, should they need them. So Mike, you know, the criteria for bunion surgery are if they're hurting you, causing you to not do the activities that you'd like, or if they're, you know, really keeping you from, from some of the things or shoes that you that you that you need to wear, then we'll we'll think about about surgically correcting a bunion. And and the the thing about bunion surgery is that there is no one procedure that is best for everyone. And there's up to maybe a hundred different procedures for for a bunion to, for a surgical option. So a lot of people can go online and see that someone had good success with a certain bunion procedure um, and they come into my office and say, hey, my, my friend had this done and this is what I want and we have a, a discussion about, hey, listen, your foot is different. Hmm. Um, you needed a little different procedure and you know, if we were to do this procedure here, the risks and benefits of it and anything, there are some possible complications with, with every procedure. So. It really takes a, a personalized approach for bunions because there are so many options and no one certain procedure is best for everyone. Well, I did not know that. I didn't realize it wasn't kind of a cookie cutter type surgery that you would do on everybody. Well, what different kinds of, of surgeries are there? I used a hundred, but can you give me a couple of the, the, the most common ones that you would do? Of course. Yeah, there's, there's really about three different procedures that are most common and most effective in, in people. The first one is just a, a bone cut where we, we cut the bone around the bunion, shift it over, rotate it, and then we use a screw and plate to hold that together. And that keeps motion within all the joints and aligns things pretty well. That's for kind of a mild to moderate bunion. And then if there's a very severe bunion, sometimes we actually have to fuse the big toe or remove the joint and put it into position there. Hmm. That's kind of on the, the most severe end of things. And then there's also a procedure where we fuse a joint or make that two bones healed together up kind of in the middle of the foot, which is called a lapidus procedure. We do that, and then that joint has to heal. So there's different healing needs after every procedure based on how severe the the bunion is and the correction is needed. So the lapidus procedure, most people have to be off of their foot from anywhere from two to six weeks to allow that to heal. The bone cut or the more minimally invasive procedure, we usually have people walk out of surgery the same day in oh, a boot wow. for, and they stay in the boot for about four to six weeks. And so the only way to figure out what kind of surgery is best for you is to visit a podiatrist and have them take a look at it. Right. I think um, that's that's the biggest thing is to really ask the right questions as a patient to your to your physician and surgeon to make sure that you're you know what you're getting into. Um, unfortunately, some bunions do reoccur. Sometimes we have to do revision surgery. Um, there's a study in one of the articles I gave you that shows that about 78% of people have success after bunion surgery, which is pretty high, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's really that 22% of people that we want to do something that is going to be long-term, you know, gives them a successful outcome. And so, yeah, it's really something that that patients need to 
go to see someone that they know and trust, um, make sure they're comfortable with that person and they get a procedure that, that they um, know what they're really in for, for a healing time and then the potential for, for reoccurrence in the future. So usually it's a, it's a long discussion. I, I say I'm a surgeon, but I'm mostly a teacher. And right. if I'm doing a good job teaching people about what we need to do, then our surgeries are, are more, um, more effective and people get better outcomes. I'm going to turn the tables on you a little bit here. Pretend that you are a patient coming to see you. What are what are some questions we should be asking right away? Oh, that's 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 a great way to do it because that's really kind of how I try to practice. Is that hey, listen, if this was a family member, if this was a um, someone that I know really well, how how can I get get this across to people? So you know, anytime we have a patient in the in the office, I try to look at it from from that point of view and. The things that I that I tell people are, you know, really what what kind of an outcome are you looking for? You know, what are you what are you here for? Are you here for um, you have a little bit of pain now and then? Well, then I probably wouldn't wouldn't want to do a surgery to to fix your problem. We would want to try to modify your shoes or things like that. But you know, are you having pain on a day to day basis where you can't do what you want to do and you're really kind of limited? Well, let's talk about you know, different procedures that we need to do and the risks that are associated with them, the things that I commonly see. And so how does somebody get to see you if we're uh, at home going, you know what, uh, I need to get in? Is this something that you need a referral for? Do we need to be contacting our, our, our general physician? or? Most people do not need referrals to see specialists like me. Most people can come, you know, it's really based on their their insurance, but many people don't need referrals. Some people do, and that's something they'd have to check with their insurance company on. Okay, so if, uh, other than that, we can call and make an appointment and get in to see the man that we're talking to on the radio today. That's right. So we're going to put all of the Mankato Clinic links, and if uh, anybody's listening and has any uh, questions or anything like that, I know that you've got a wealth of information um, on the Mankato Clinic site, too, uh, just to help people. I love that you're, you're approaching people like family members, like how do we help you and what's the best outcome for you, and it's not immediately jumping to a drug or a surgery or something like that um, that's more invasive. Um, but I want to thank you for taking time today to talk a little bit about uh, just one. Just uh, We just kind of talked about bunions today, but you had mentioned a bunch of other um, conditions that people might come in and see you for. So we certainly appreciate being able to pick your brain, and I'm sure you've got patients to get back to. Well, thanks a lot, Lisa. It was very good to have a conversation. Thanks for spending the time with me. Yeah, it's Dr. Andrew Lundquist from the Mankato Clinic, one of the podiatrists there, and we will uh, hopefully check in with you again. And thanks for all you do. Thank you very much. 